these words like simplicity and minimalism they've become even a part of like Christian culture and Christian language but really like God identified with the poor and the powerless right like he said when I was hungry when I was thirsty I was lonely sick naked incarcerated like I was these things he's identifying with them as opposed yeah. to like this is a cool trend and it makes me feel better about myself you're listening to the upside down podcast a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. I am one of your hosts today, Shannon Evans, and joining me are Lindsay Wallace and Lori Harris. Say hi, guys. Hi. Christy James and Kayla Craig won't be on this episode. They are both doing other stuff right now. So you've got the three of us. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Mm. Well, I'm doing great. <clears throat> it's summertime. You know, kids are out of school. So so crazy, crazy, crazier than normal or more relaxed than normal? It's crazier than normal. And the kids yeah. are eating everything. Like, seriously, they're eating everything in the house. <laughs> yes. I'm constantly feeding my kids. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, is it does it does summer really change that much when you're homeschooling, or does it feel no. about the same? We school year yeah. round, and it's always summer. Huh. No, oh, in Miami, because we live right. in the tropics, so it's basically the same. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, <laughs> but it's That's the saddest ever to me. It's, uh, it's all good. It's all good. All right. Well, before we jump into today's topic, I thought it would be fun to hear about what everybody is loving right now. Could be anything. So like (laughs) a food you're loving, a drink you're loving, an activity you're loving, a really weird thing you found on Amazon that you're loving. Ooh, I'll go. This is Lindsay and I um, have a new favorite podcast. I've been talking about it on Instagram a little bit Um, and it's Propaganda um google him i'm not gonna do an explanatory comma um so that's a name propaganda is a name propaganda for those who don't know and his wife dr alma and it's called the red couch podcast and they have a red couch in their living room it's where the name came from and so it's so good to um hear them i mean i just love them they're such an awesome couple they're dynamic they're just so sweet but funny at the same time and um Alma is Mexican-American, and Prop is African-American, and so they have a multiracial marriage and family, and um, very cool. they're very smart people, so it's, they're good good people to learn cool. from. Yeah. What is the podcast about? Just sort of social oh, issues? That's or? such a great question. So they have different um, segments that they walk through, and I probably will miss one, but they have hood politics, <laughs> which is about how, <laughs> oh. like... The political climate, really in the world. Really? Like last week, they started going into Russia stuff, but like how it's all hood, and like you can, you can see similarities between like gang activity and hood stuff to like what's happening on the world global scale. And they talk about how like why that's so hood, and it's it's <laughs> it's hilarious and fascinating, <laughs> and you're like, what the crap, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. And then they do another section called How's Your Heart, where they just talk about, you know, kind of like more serious heart stuff. And then they do um, Alma does Alma's vocab. Uh, I forget what her <laughs> PhD is in, um, but she's a smart lady. So she just talks about different terms that people use and what they mean. And 
Um, they do explore tab where they talk about like current event kind of stuff. So it's just really, really, uh, that's really cool. It's really good. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Lori? So but you know, I am really, my husband has been recently diagnosed with bipolarism. And so we're in the throes of all kinds of therapies and I am really loving our marriage counseling after we had a bomb of a first counselor. I was about to say mm. that you had your first Oh one. gosh, he was terrible. I mean, I'm not a professional counselor, but I've been in ministry, vocational ministry long enough to have done some counseling. And I just kind of know like counseling or relationship 101. And that is that you never call someone a name. <laughs> you just don't do that, you know? <laughs> mm. um, so after we fired him, oh, we yes. got this lady out um, an hour away and she's about maybe 73. And oh. she is just, she is super kind, super intuitive. She's a great listener. She really knows how to, to dial in to what we're really saying beneath the surface. And, um, She's a Christian counselor, but she's not quoting scripture as the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like she's coming yeah. from a Christian perspective, but she's, you know, she's talking about meds and um, all kinds of different things. And it's really been, I mean, counseling is, is not fun. Like, let me like just say that it's not fun, right. but it is so for this season in our life, we are spending a lot of time being introspective and figuring out like what makes us tick, why we do what we do and how this mental illness has affected us for the last 20 years and how it's probably going to affect us for the next 20. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like just giving us permission to not be okay and be okay with making the change. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she said yesterday was, um, if you consider just being like normal people and we were like, what normal people? Like who are, who are they? You know? And she's like, Mm -hmm. no, just take off your ministry hat. What would you like? What would you want to do with your life? Mm -hmm. And I just sat there and I thought, well, I've never really thought about that. And what came out, you know, in counseling, all kinds of weird things will come out that you're not planning to say, but they just kind of come out. And I said, I would love to own like a bed and breakfast. I would love to just host people who are like in the throes of ministry who need a retreat. And I would love to feed them and make them feel loved. And I started crying, you know, as I'm telling them, telling her what I want, because I think just moving to Rocky Mount, that's been our, that's been what we wanted to create here for our neighbors and our church family. Um, And that's, that's who we are. But it was neat that she gave me permission to think kind of outside the box of what, what would you do? Yeah. And that, that kind of surprised me. And I've thought about it all day today, you know, and, I don't know, it's kind of free whether or not it happens or not. It's just the thought process of going through that, of saying, mm. I'm, we're going to be okay. You know, it's just going to look different in a year than it does now. So, yeah, mm. yeah. that sounds healthy. Yeah. Shannon, what um, about you? I'm going to follow that up with like the most like meaningless mundane thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I am, when I asked that question, um, I'm sitting in our carport recording this and this is an aside, but we've got, we get a lot of comments about the sound quality of our podcast, not being awesome. (laughs) And God God bless you guys for trying to help and make it better. But the reality is I'm recording in my backyard in my car right now. (laughs) There's no there. And I know you guys have done it too, because there's no quiet place in my house and I don't, you know, I've got my, um, my iPhone headphones plugged into my, you know, old computer and everything. So it just is what it is. But I'm looking at my clothesline that I've 
got going in the backyard because we um, we just moved to Texas like a week, two weeks ago, and we don't have a dryer. We just have a washer, um, and I don't really know when we'll get a dryer. But so we've been line drying, drying, and I used to do it a few years ago with just like cloth diapers and dish rags and stuff. But now we have to do everything, and I'm loving it, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> really, totally weird. Yes, because it just like it's like this like every time I take clothes out there, I feel like this like slowing down of mm, my life. Like yeah. I'm just yep. in the sunshine hanging up these wet clothes and there's just something so beautiful about it. Um, yeah. And, and it's also the Texas sun on those clothes. Oh yeah. It's, it it's like a million times better. better. Yeah. Aren't your, <laughs> do your, are your clothes yeah. hard though? If you leave them out too long, they stupid are. Question? But if you get the okay. sweet spot, yeah, if you get the sweet spot, then, then they're not. Okay. Um, but a lot of times I do end up leaving them out too long because I forgot about them. Or like last night, I left them out overnight and it poured. So that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> but I also realize we go through less laundry because I'm like, ah, it's not dirty. <laughs> you can keep <Yeah>. wearing <laughs> So totally. I'm not doing quite as much. But anyways, that's something that's been unexpected that I wouldn't have thought that I would really love. But I'm loving. So cool. there you go. It's not marriage counseling, but, you know. No, but if I open a bed and breakfast, I'm going to call Shannon Evans and say, hey, <laughs> you come take my laundry out to dry. Yes. <laughs> all your guests can see the white sheets blowing in the breeze in the mornings. Yes. It'll, be, it'll be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. So today we are talking about a pretty complicated topic. So complicated, in fact, that I don't know if we've even decided on what we're going to title it yet. <laughs> um <laughs> But basically, we're talking about downward mobility and um, what that is and what it's not and how it, how it differs from the concepts of simplicity and minimalism and the really popular um, phrases that are being coined and thrown around these days. Uh, Lindsay, I think you had a definition to start us off just to clarify for people what we're saying when we mean downward mobility, didn't you? Yeah, so I have been interested in this for several years now. And so what I learned um, is that it's a phrase that was coined by Dean Brackley, who was a Jesuit priest. Um, And so Jesuit, I know. And he actually has a really crazy story that we don't have time to go into, but if you Google him, it's really fascinating and ends up being sad. I think think most Jesuits do have a crazy story. Yeah. Like all of them that I've ever read. I'm like, I think I might be a Jesuit. (laughs) (laughs) So what he says is the solution to our global crisis is not that the poor become rich with which is neither feasible nor desirable, but that the rich join with the poor. The only solution is communities of equals resisting pyramids of inequality. While some economic differences are legitimate, discrimination and misery are not. In communities of equals, personal talents, instead of advancing some at others' expense, are stewarded for the benefit of all. Mm. It's really good. Yeah. It's heavy. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is heavy. So I think we all, like, the three of us have lives that are, really intentional do you guys identify with the term downward mobility I I, I express to you guys that I am always hesitant to assign that label to myself just because different seasons of my life and marriage have looked different um and so I I'm not yeah I'm not sure if I even like claim it although I love and totally believe in the concept but um Mm -hmm. do you guys 
identify with that term, Lindsay? <laughs> Nobody wants to talk first. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay you, said, I, you said you've been looking into this for like several yeah, years. Yeah. So I would say y- yes. I, I do um, identify with the term. Um, and I think... I think something that's important to point out is that it's a process. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I actually read something another priest said, which was that you can expect it to take seven years to move from affluence to, um, to being, you know, maybe like in standing in solidarity with people who live on the margins of society. Um, and so it's very much a process. So I don't, I wouldn't say like, you know, we've arrived in any, (laughs) definitely Mm -hmm. in any way, but I do, um, very much identify with the, um, seeking equality and in a lot of that language that he uses in the definition. Okay. So I have a question for some of our listeners who might be new to this concept. So you say things like seeking equality and solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what does that actually look like? Mm, that's such a good question. Or, yeah. Um, so I think for us, so for the solidarity piece, I think it's the worldview becoming our own. Um, and it's shifting our worldview from you know, in my case, like middle-class white culture, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. what I grew up in to now living in a community that is, um, predominantly impoverished people of color. Um, and so starting to, like, I find myself and we have not been doing this for long, you know, but like, I find myself starting to observe the world a little bit more through their lens. Um, and, and for us that meant, you know, incarnational, like not to throw around another kind of big word, but incarnational Mm -hmm. living. So we live here, we live among the people that we want to be in solidarity with so that we can experience Mm -hmm. things that they are experiencing. And so for us, I, I use the term a lot like shedding privilege. Um, So we have like shed the privilege of steady income and shed the privilege of really great health insurance and shed the privilege of having two cars and, you know, like, starting to maybe that downwardly mobile um, path to be Mm -hmm. able to stand in solidarity. But I think too, it's important to say, I mean, one thing we we're shedding our privilege to not just be for somebody, but to be with them. And so for me, that's like the solidarity piece is to be with, but I also am fully aware that we, I should say, I can never, shed every aspect of my privilege right like I can never shed my education I can never shed the color of my skin so those are those there are obvious like pieces of who I am that I can't shed and can never like fully stand in solidarity with but that's the point where I ask myself okay how do I wield this privilege for good for the sake of my brother or my sister who doesn't have what I have that I can't give away does that make sense yeah yeah. Yeah. I would have to say I probably don't identify with the term downward mobility only because when Thad and I moved from Dallas here, we were in a very affluent church with lots of resources and we moved into an impoverished community, but it wasn't, our move was not intentional about 
shedding our personal resources uh, in order that we stood in solidarity, solidarity with our neighbors. We saw ourselves more as a conduit of the kingdom's resources. And uh, mm-hmm. I would have to say that for, for the most part, we still see ourselves that way. Okay. Um, because we feel when our school has a need, um, I know who has resources and who can meet that need, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm instead of not meeting the need and, and being standing in solidarity with my community, I choose to go to bat for my community, for people who have resources. And so I think for us, we are constantly, although we have drastically downsized, I mean, we are driving a car that's on its last leg, took a huge pay cut and moving to Rocky Mount and yeah. health insurance is out the wazoo. I currently have no health insurance, me personally. Um, mm-hmm. I have chosen the jobs that I work based upon how I can still be present in my community and yeah. serve my public schools and meet the needs of my kids. But I would not say that we are in a downward spiral to be on the same socioeconomic status that our neighbors are. I would rather, we would rather, I mean, that works a full-time job. We do ministry as volunteers. And so we feel like our community uh, is best served by us stewarding our resources on behalf of our community mm-hmm. while living with them and alongside of them and participating in life. You know, we we are in the, the throes of like blue collar work, you know, so mm-hmm. we're like patching paychecks together to make ends meet and we're driving a car that, you know, didn't have AC as of last week, you know, I mean, like all of those things. And so we kind of feel, kind of feel what that feels like. And knowing how, when you go to the doctor and you can't, you can't get all the things that you need because you just don't have the money to pay for it. We get that. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as, I guess, turning, I guess, I don't know how to say it, but kind of walking away from our privilege, we have Mm -hmm. not, we've stewarded our privilege and, the resources we have access to, to like bless our community. And that probably brings us the most joy that God would, would see fit to just lavish us with some resources that we might give them away, you know? Yeah. I think it's really interesting um, to hear your answer because I think maybe most people, if not a lot of people would look at your life and say that is downward mobility (laughs) because of where you live and the fact that you guys, you know, no one would yeah. call you affluent. Like you're certainly working, um, yeah. you know, uh, you're, it's a pretty blue collar life, like you said. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyway, so, so I think that is kind of tricky. One person's definition of it might be different than another person's definition. But, yeah. but I, I definitely appreciate the perspective of, and I think a lot of people do share it, of, um, you know, wealth in the kingdom is important because, you know, it needs to be given to kingdom work. I, I definitely hear you say that. Yeah. I, th- I think we often only consider wealth when we hear this term um, mm-hmm. or, f- or possessions, right? Like we're going to talk later about simplicity and minimalism and how those things kind of fall short. But I found Henry Nouwen wrote a book called The Selfless Way of Christ. Have either of you guys read it? No, no. but I love okay. that one. I need to look that. Yeah, I had never heard of it. I just found... Um, an article online that pulled a few quotes from it, but, and I've actually, I've heard this particular one before, but he talks about the three great temptations of upward mobility. 
And he says three temptations by which we are confronted again and again are the temptation to be relevant, the temptation to be spectacular, and the temptation to be powerful. And I think Mm. um, when we talk about downward mobility or shedding privilege, like it's not just finances, right? It's also, am I the one in power? Am I, which oftentimes that is tied to money, but it's not just Mm -hmm. that. And then the temptation to be spectacular, like, am I centered in the story? Who's being centered in the conversation or the culture and then the relevancy, you know, am I important? People like me. So it's, um, I don't know. I just really appreciate kind of like spreading the definition broader because you can, um, like Lori, you guys are, you may not identify with the term downward mobility, but you are certainly confronted with like these temptations. And like you said, you're choosing to steward what God's given you well. And then so you're like, you know, you're not like trying to be poor, but you're not necessarily like trying to be the most popular Christian out there, right? Like you're making choices that other yeah, people they, disagree they with. That. <laughs> right. So you're making choices that other people disagree with, um, yeah. which is, you know, definitely you're not upwardly mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I like that um, as he's pointing out the temptations of upward mobility. It helps clarify, like you're, I mean, that's basically an echo of what you just said, mm-hmm. but I found that helpful when you pointed that out. Yeah. 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 So what were they again, the temptations? Tell me again. To be relevant, about- to be spectacular, and to be powerful. Okay. So it's basically like downward mobility might be the humility to mm-hmm. make yourself small, I yeah. guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see when I'm serving at our public schools and I see that we have a huge need and we're all sitting around a table and I'm the only white person in the room and I'm sitting around a table and like the team and the principal have just like resolved themselves so we can never have this need met. I have a very hard time saying, no, we can we can meet that need. It'll be met tomorrow. You know, I have a hard time yeah. with that, especially when it's a tangible need that the students have, like right. or paper or maxi pads and I sometimes I walk away from those meetings feeling like I didn't voice that I could meet the need or I had people who could meet the need um and that's frustrating to know that I I had not just me but just because my presence in the room I'm like a representative of Christ and I I have access to the like the resources of the kingdom and we can get those but sometimes I have to walk away from those meetings, just get the resources that, that we need and just deliver them anonymously. Do you know what I'm saying? Again, it comes yeah, down. Because you don't want to be the savior every time. Is that? Yes. Or you can't be. You just mm-hmm. can't be. But you can't be. You can't sit there and not meet the need when you know there's a need. That's the hardest is the constant tension we live in. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a, a huge part of what it means to have privilege um, is is the network of mm-hmm. resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with tapping into that network, you know, but it is like, it is important to be aware of, yeah, this is, this is a place of privilege that I could get on the internet and ask for maxi pads and thousands will be shipped to my door because, you know, I I have this status or, or even just this network within a large church. 
yeah. I don't know, um, or even just like knowing how to obtain community resources, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Or like how to leverage, how to like leverage the fact that I'm a blogger for good for my community and, you know, mm-hmm. not good for myself, but how do I leverage that, that platform that I didn't seek out, but what was given to me? How do I leverage that on behalf of my community? I would yeah. be negligent to leverage that, you know? I think one of the things, um, oh, go ahead, Shannon. No, it's okay. I want to hear what you say. I was just going to um, add kind of what came to mind as you guys were pointing out those examples. Shannon, I think the social network is a huge one. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that comes to mind for our community is um, a lot of our neighbors are just living in survival mode. Yeah. And so they're focused on food on the table tonight, someone to watch the kids tonight so they can go to work, right. um, you know, getting to and from wherever they need to go. So it's very much, you know, how am I going to survive today? And so like, mm-hmm. even you mentioned community resources, like uh, that's a common um, critique of people mm-hmm. who are living in poverty is, well, they have this and they have that. And why don't they take advantage of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so often people, you, you can't think beyond today. Like if you don't know how you're going to put food on the table tonight, if you don't know who's going to pick your kids up from school this afternoon, you can't be thinking there's just not like the headspace for it, let alone right. the like figuring out how to actually make it happen. And so, um, that's a, I think it's a huge disconnect and what's the, some, there's a famous quote. I don't even know if it's attributed to anybody, but it's, um, you know, we say we love the poor. Tell me what are their names? Um, and I think, I think that, um, that's, that's like part of why knowing people and being um, solidly rooted in relationship is so key and so important. And um, the difference between for sure downward mobility and, you know, minimalism um, is that it's not just for self, you know, and that you have these relationships and you see what it's like for people um, and why they don't just take care of whatever program that, people think the government, you know, should or shouldn't be doing or whatever. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I think the relationship is the key piece. Um, It's the why, you know, it's like the why do we give up these temptations? Why do we show up at these meetings? Why do we shed these things? And it's the relationship. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So um, a lot of people listening might not know my family and I just moved back to Texas, um, back to a community that, um, is like living, living intentionally in, I guess what a lot of people would say is poverty. Um, but also as a spiritual community and, um, just intentionally building relationships with the poor. And also, I'm really, I really don't like using that phrase, but for our purposes, (laughs) our purposes, it's like the the fastest way to say what I'm trying to say. So forgive me if it's not the most PC, but, um, so for us, and, and it's really interesting. My husband applied for jobs for months before we moved here, but ended up not having a job by the time we moved here, which I think is totally the will of God, actually, even though 
it has the potential to be really stressful. Um, I'm working <laughs> part time and he's he's looking for something. But and we also have a roommate who's working part time. And it's been we, we were here. Sorry, I can't remember if I said that we were here for two years ago for two years. And so this is a community that's very familiar to us and very much feels um, like safe and like family and we're going to be taken care of. Um, but it part of our decision in kind of shedding this really safe, secure job that Eric had to, to step into this season of we don't really know what we're doing. We honestly have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's really it's, it's going great. Um, but is because for us, it's worth it to compromise like he has a master's degree and and he could be making, you know, X amount of dollars and we could be donating whatever to to really good things, things that are being done. Um, but for us, and when we were doing that for two years in Iowa, we weren't making a ton of money, but we were making a lot more than than we ever have because it was his first like full time job. Um, we he was so drained by working these 40 hour work weeks that we really had nothing left as mm. a family um, to invest in. It was just really, really difficult to do anything else besides work 40, 50 hours a week. And even though it was really meaningful work and he got to disciple college students and do music for the church and really beautiful things that we certainly don't regret. Um, we just ended up feeling like we would rather compromise the ability to give or to be in this, um, quote unquote, powerful position within the church body and have more time and energy to invest um, with people who who need healthy companionship, who might um, need resources that we can help them obtain. Um, so for us, it was sort of this um, this exchange of of being able to put money into the kingdom, and right now, like getting food from the food pantry, you know, mm -hmm. to. to to get what we need for now. Um, and so it's, it's a very bizarre turn of events, but like, I can hear what you're saying, Lori, and totally respect, um, the fact that, that, I mean, I'm so thankful for the people in our lives throughout, throughout our marriage, these past 11 years who have given monetarily to us for different things. Um, but I do think for some people there can be the decision and I think it could be, um, a beautiful one to, exchange those things time and energy for um money as as far as talking about resources goes does that make sense yeah yeah it does make sense so anyway so back to what i said we were actually going to talk about the, these trendy words of like minimalism and simplicity um how do you guys how do you guys feel about those words i you go first well, when I, when I think of the word minimalism, I think of whitewashed walls with perfectly organized cabinets oh and you know, shelving in the kitchen where you have exactly eight plates and eight, eight spoons and eight mm -hmm. forks, and they all match. Uh, that mm -hmm. is what I think of when I think of minimalism. Mm -hmm. um, when I, <laughs> that is not us. Like, everything is patched together, you know, with, like, oh, yeah. sticky tape and nothing matches. Um we don't have a lot, but it's not what I would consider minimalism. Minimalism mm -hmm. seems to me uh, a trend that you do in order to bring order to to the chaos in your life yeah. and help you decide that you want to spend $400 on one shirt instead of spending $100 on 40 shirts, you know, uh -huh. um, which, is, which doesn't really fit. 
uh, the idea that that less is really more. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Lori said. I have this like insa- almost insatiable desire for simplicity. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like the unicorn that I can't quite catch. Like I'm always. <laughs> because you have five children. <laughs> yeah, like I'm always trying to simplify every, I mean, literally like every aspect of my life. I wish it were simpler. Um, mm-hmm. But I I agree with what Lori said about minimalism and um you know, it's like the capsule wardrobe and it's like she Mm -hmm. said, the whitewashed walls and all of that. And so, um, I don't think in and of themselves, either one of those things are bad. And I do, I mean, I feel like there's even like psychological studies that show like the fewer things that you have, you're a happier person, the fewer apps you have on your phone, you're a happier person, you know, all of that. There is freedom with less. I, I don't think we can argue that, but I think, the question that comes to mind for me is like, for what, like who and for why are you simplifying your life? Why are you trying to live minimally? Why are you trying to simplify your stuff? Um, Mm -hmm. And, and Christian or Shannon, the language that you used was that, you know, these things are kind of insufficient for Christians because Mm -hmm. it's like super me centered, right? Like, I want to live simply for me. Like I want to live minimally so that I have more freedom. And again, those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but um, they are insufficient for Christians. I really like the way you phrased that. Mm. Yeah. Man, because a capsule wardrobe is awesome because it, it prevents the one hour that you spend every single morning deciding what you're going to wear, you know, but it's not, it's not going to further the kingdom. (laughs) Because you spend less time in your closet looking at what you have, you know, Uh, and that's not bad. It's just not the, it's not the point. Right. Right. I think I, I'm drawn to words like simplicity or minimalism. And I, I I relate to what you said, Lindsay, about it being like this unicorn that you're always trying. I feel like I'm constantly (laughs) taking things to the thrift store to donate. And I'm like, how do we acquire all this stuff? Um, But, but yeah, for me, it feels I think, I, yeah, I think what you, how you said it is like, for what, you know, what is the, what is the end goal of this? And also I, I do think with the, the trend, um, the aesthetic of minimalism kind of coming into popularity, it, it actually requires you to buy things, which I think Lindsay, I mean, yeah. Lori was your point of like, yeah eight matching plates and you have you know and part of me is so drawn to that because it looks so peaceful (laughs) but but the fact is I would have to like get rid of everything I own and buy it all over again which is no I've done it when bad was away at way for treatment I did that I purged the entire house and then I literally went to Target and was like I need another trash can like And it My was trash like, can isn't good enough. Yeah, it was it was a very awakening moment for me of mm-hmm. my stuff is not my issue. Mm-hmm. I am making my stuff my issue, but it's not my issue. Mm-hmm. My issue right. is that I don't have control, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could put it on that. But the but the the realization was is I don't know what our future holds. And yeah. I need I need to make my home a, a hushed place, you know, for mm-hmm. that when he comes home, you know. Um, but I think we do that. I think a lot of these times that the Holy Spirit is whispering to us for to, to become less, to become quiet, to become meeker, smaller, 
all of those things, we mishear those things for um, minimalism or simplicity or, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it really has nothing to do with the aesthetics. It's, it's mm-hmm. inward. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I think a question that I've been asking myself lately, and um, I've just read this really incredible book that we listed in our um, Upside Down Book Club. Is that what we called it? Um, I think so. It's um, David, David Hilfiker is the author, and it's actually almost 20 years old, but it's incredible, and it's called um, Not All of Us Are Saints. Um, and he was a doctor a white doctor who moved into inner city Washington, D.C. and served the homeless population there. And he actually ended up living in this building that they bought and sort of redid with the homeless men who couldn't be out on the street because of medical conditions. Um, But as he brings up this idea of like, it's not just that we want to live simply, it's that we want to live justly. And so I think like Lori, you said, like you could buy a $400 shirt or you could fill your house with stuff from target or whatever. But like, are the choices that I'm making about the things that I'm spending my money on just, are they providing job opportunities for people who need them? Or are we like empowering, you know, slavery? Like what are we doing here? You know? Um, And you can be like, total clutter freak and and or you can be super minimal but still not be living a just life yeah 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 absolutely um I think when I think of those those kinds of terms simplicity minimalism I think about downward mobility um a lot of it a lot of it in my mind comes back to again your question of what is it for for what but I think of, I so for the past like year, I came, or about a year ago, I came across the phrase, the common good. And that mm-hmm. like really summarized so mm-hmm. much of my worldview and, and, and how I, like the choices that I made in my life. And then yeah. I only recently found out that it was St. Thomas Aquinas who like developed the philosophy of the common good. And I was like, hey, it's mm-hmm. a saint that did it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea being that like, the goal of society is not for the private good of individuals, but to seek the common good for everyone. Right. And it, yeah. it was just like, so obviously acts too, right. That they yeah. shared everything. Anybody who had need like automatically got the thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it makes so much, so much more sense than just like decluttering for the sake of having my house be, feel like a more peaceful space, which isn't necessarily bad. Like we've said, um, but it's not the end. And, like Lindsay, you were saying, it's not it's not sufficient for Christians to to end there because because it's not considering the other at all. It's only considering ourselves, and right. so the I think that's probably the main difference of what we're talking about with downward yeah. mobility. Yep. Yeah, I think um, it's it's this idea of like alleviating the needs and suffering of other people instead of like yeah. self advancement or self focus or mm-hmm. you know right. Yeah. But, you know, we, we really can't know the needs and the sufferings of our of other people unless we live among them. And, mm, and there has to be some, some degree of lowering of self yeah. to to be able to rub shoulders with people that, that have lack, have suffering, right. um, have poverty and have 
you know, all these, all of these things that seem like to be untouchable. Yeah. And for the most part, for Thad and I, we can remove ourselves from this. We have options, you know, yeah. we can like right. we can right. move out and do something totally different. Yeah. But there mm-hmm. is something about um, being in close proximity with our neighbors, whether, you know, we're on the same socioeconomic plane as they are, but we're in close proximity. Like we know their names and we know, you know, if their car's broken down, we can observe that. And there has to be some movement of that on on behalf, on behalf of Christians to to be able to even do that. We don't know what the common right. good is because we have no idea what the common are needs. Oh, that's you know? so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like, obviously, well, I don't want to say obviously, but I mean, these are, like, pretty privileged conversations, right? Like, I don't, right. and, and the whole idea of, like, minimalism or simplicity, like, that's, that's a very privileged conversation and topic and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about, I don't remember when it was, maybe like six months ago, um, I was trying to save a little money one month and just be creative. And so I was going to do the whole, like, just don't go to the grocery and cook what's in your pantry for a month, you know? Yeah. Um, And I posted on Facebook. We've done that. Yeah. Um, And I posted (laughs) on Facebook, like, hey, does anybody, like, have any tips? Or I don't know what I even was asking about it. And um, one of my neighbors commented that she tried it. And it was a bad idea because she literally used everything. And then the next month she couldn't afford to like Uh, replace, you know, like, yeah, like ketchup and, you know, the things that like you run run out like through the weeks and months, but you don't buy it when you go to the grocery, those kind of things. And so it just was another, like, again, my privilege backs me in the face every day, but it was another like aha moment of like, oh yeah, like not everyone can even afford to do what I'm trying to do to like save money and not be you know mm-hmm. frivolous so these are like super I think delicate yeah. conversations that you know yeah. Christians oftentimes and I think like these words like simplicity and minimalism they've become even a part of like Christian culture and Christian language mm-hmm. but really mm-hmm. like God identified with the poor and the powerless, right? Like he said, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, I was lonely, sick, naked, incarcerated. Like I was these things. He's identifying with them as opposed to like, this is a cool trend and it makes me feel better about myself. Um, Yeah. So I think it's like, uh, it's sometimes hard when you get smacked in the face with your privilege. So I just want to say that because there's probably someone listening who like, really likes those terms and you know whatever and that's not like it's not in and of itself bad but I think we do have to dig deeper in looking at the kingdom and like you said Shannon Acts 2 where nobody had any need because Mm -hmm. all the needs were met because everything was shared and that's so counter to our culture right like this super individualistic like you don't even know what your neighbor has in their house you know because it's American like yeah, it's just American culture. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not like this anywhere else in the world. It is American culture. And it's just, it is what is killing the church. If I'm mm-hmm. like honest, if I'm going to get really honest with with our audience, I think we're killing the church because we are not, um, we are not being v- really vulnerable or authentic even in our local communities. Mm-hmm. And when I think about just the privilege that Thad and I have, or we could have, uh, I'm still not vulnerable enough to say to um, the people that know us the best to say we have a, a huge need and it's personal. It's not for our community. You know, it's yeah. for us. Um, that is a hard place to be in. 
although I advocate on behalf of my neighbors, there's still this this wall there. Um, and I don't know what creates it, except that the Christianity the Christianity that we have created for ourselves yeah. has uh, laid the foundation for it. Um, I, I and think it, it's, go ahead. No, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think um, part of the remedy for that is what Shannon touched on earlier with the reciprocity, you know, because the church has been this place of handouts and charity and there's not the reciprocity. There's not the relationship, let alone Mm -hmm. the proximity of actual people um, Mm -hmm. who don't just need our stuff, but they, they need like legitimate friendship, just like we need legitimate friendship, you know? And so I think, I think just, putting our buildings up and being inside and not just this be with people like Jesus came down and he was with us, you know? And I just think there's so much importance um, in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he pissed everybody off because yes. he wasn't with the powerful exactly. church leaders or, you know, synagogue leaders. He was with the ones who stunk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I think we could talk about this for a long time, but we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> so I guess we can say if anybody wants to talk more about this or um, hash out their thoughts, they can do it in our Facebook group, the Upside Down yeah. Tribe. Uh, just send us a request to join and we would love to add you. Uh, find us on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast. And um, we'd love to hear your comments there too. Yeah, or uh, you can send me am I forgetting, guys? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I prefer yeah. a boxer because I can drive down the road or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and still talk. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, Instagram us privately for our boxer handles yeah. or, you know, email addresses or whatever. Um, and also, guys, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps let others find us. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's actually true. It's how iTunes works. So, um, we would really appreciate it if you just take three minutes and find us on iTunes. Give us a positive review if you're feeling good about, about the episode. Um, and our website is UpsideDownPodcast.com. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Sorry, that was an awkward wrap-up. I was like, I have no idea how to do this.